Are you new to wholesaling real estate and you want some additional help getting that marketing out the door so your phone can start ringing? Do you need help running comps, analyzing deals, making offers? How about repair estimates? Do you struggle with any of these things? Well, guys, we are here to help. Mike and I have a weekly group coaching mastermind, and we would like to invite you guys to come check it out. It is a phenomenal value. For just a few hundred dollars a month, you can connect with Mike and I, get access to all of our courses, as well as join us on weekly coaching calls where we discuss what is working today in our real estate business. We are an open book. We talk about what kind of marketing we're doing. We do case studies and we answer any and all questions that you guys might have for us on those weekly calls. This mastermind is limited to only a few people. So check it out at dpipodcast.com forward slash mastermind to where you guys can get some more information about this amazing offer. Again, access to all of our courses. Connect with Mike and I on weekly calls. Ask us questions that you have about your wholesaling or real estate business, as well as weekly trainings on what we are doing in our business and what is working. This is like rocket fuel for your business. Check it out, dpipodcast.com forward slash mastermind. We'll see you inside. Welcome back to season two of the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share with you what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. Make sure you never miss an episode and download the Discount Property Investor app in Google Play or iTunes today. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Dude, All right, bro. guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. This is your host, David Dodge. If you haven't bought The Ultimate Guide to Wholesaling Real Estate yet, our new book, go check it out. Tons and tons and tons of gold nuggets in here. Mike and I have spent about two years working on this book, and it's finally done. We've written it for you. But today, I am joined by a good friend of mine who I've met through a mastermind. Chris Arnold. Chris, how are you today, my friend? Man, it's good to be hanging out with you, buddy. Always. Excited to be here, hey, man. Shop thanks off, for man. coming on the thanks show, man. Ideas. Thanks for coming on. So I met Chris through a mastermind. You know, it was funny. Um, his partner, Scott, reached out to me, and then we started connecting, and then I really connected with Chris, and I didn't even know Chris until I met him uh, down in Mexico at the mastermind. I'm so grateful that Scott reached out and that I went to the mastermind and I met Chris and so many other like-minded individuals. So Chris, I want to say thank you for that and including me in that and inviting me down. Um, but again, I want to interview you today. That's the goal of this. Uh, we want to learn a little bit about you and your business and how we can maybe teach some of the listeners and the viewers about how they can maybe pick up some gold nuggets here on 
virtual wholesaling and removing yourself from the business. So not necessarily virtual. You kind of crossed the boundaries with virtual because you were virtual. However, your team isn't necessarily virtual when it comes to the acquisition. So it's very interesting. You have a very, very interesting business, Chris. I wanted to learn a little bit more about it and hopefully some of the listeners and viewers that are new to this business and haven't done a deal or maybe have only done a couple deals and learn something new. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's jump in. Let's do it. Awesome. So Chris, where do you live? Start there. So I actually live full time uh, down in Tulum, Mexico. So it's about an hour south of bummer. Cancun. And yeah, big bummer. And my deal is it has been a dream of mine for a long time to live down in the Caribbean. So for me, building a business a lot of times was meant to serve lifestyle. It was about freedom. And I think one of the greatest freedoms is freedom of location. Being virtual, who says you have to live in the city where you do deals? And I don't I love that. Dallas. It's a great place, but I don't necessarily want to live there long term. I'd rather be out on the beach next to the ocean. That's where I'm happiest. Man, I love it. When I was down there, I, w- I loved it too. I was happy. <laughs> I love it. I'm jealous of that. That's awesome, Chris. But Chris, you're, you don't flip deals. It's actually, you kind of are. You're, you're doing deals in, in, your, in your new current city. However, that's not even where I'm going today. You have a thriving business back in the States, right? Is it, it's in Dallas, Texas. Am I correct? That's correct. So we do like a two-hour radius of downtown Dallas. So you can consider us DFW for the deals we do. Yeah, that is a huge radius, man. So Chris, tell me this. How many deals are you guys are you guys doing a month on average right now? Yeah, so we have a range depending on time of year, but we'll contract anywhere between 15 to 25 properties a month consistently. Wow. So lower months would be toward 15, higher months toward 25. And that's consistent with the four acquisition managers we have. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So four acquisition managers on the team. That's where I was going to kind of go next. How many people on the team do you have? And also, what kind of marketing are you doing to acquire 15 to 25 properties or contract, I should say, a month? Because that's awesome. Love that. So besides the team, right, you have your sales side. So we have four acquisition managers. And then we believe about having a strong sales culture. Now, if you start to build a sales team, you realize that that's where most of your time and money is going to go. So we have what's called a fractional chief sales officer that does the development on the mindset and the practical training. And then we have a sales advocate. So those are support staff for the four. And then the rest of the team is built up of administrative staff. But in total, there's roughly around 15 of us. But the bulk of that is going to be administrative staff. Got it. And when it comes to deals, we rely on three major streams for our deals. Uh, We rely on online marketing, we rely on radio, and we rely on television. So one of the things I would tell your listenership, you know, especially as you're getting- Hold on, pause. I got to stop you right there. I didn't hear direct mail in there. What? (laughs) That's exactly where I was going. 15 to 25 a a month, and there's not a single postcard or letter hitting the mailbox. And I love it too, because that's that's just polluting, man. I I love sending direct mail because it makes me money. However, it's just like it ends up in the, in the landfill, all of it. It absolutely does. Now, you got to realize if you were to, let's say, go back in time about four or five years ago, I would tell you that 75% of our business was coming through direct mail. But what we understand about the wholesale world right now, and particularly if you're listening and just getting into it, you're coming in at a high competitive time. Um, really there's more and more people that know about wholesaling. Uh, it's becoming a bit more saturated, but that's okay. But what I would tell you is, as you start to learn, get in and start to look for pieces of marketing that not everyone's doing. Everyone's doing direct mail. 
everyone's doing text blasting, everyone's doing ringless voicemail. And I'm not saying that those things can't be profitable, but if you really want to scale, I believe that you got to go against the consensus. You got to bet against the consensus and you got to be right about it. And so we bet against the consensus. Again, online is common, um, but, you know, looking at radio and television is not. And so that's where we've decided to park and we've seen great returns there. And honestly, there's, you know, David, as well as I do, you and I talk to people all around the country, less than 1% of the investors I know in the whole country, and I know a ton, don't do radio or direct mail. It's just 1% that do it. So it's not saturated, which is fantastic. Yeah, no, I get, I get what you're saying. Cause, so you're saying 99% of people are doing direct mail? Yeah, and 1% are only doing radio and television. Yep. Is what I'm yep. saying. Yeah. I love that. I love it's that. It's a very you small guys are doing television as well. That's awesome. Um, Correct. How long have you guys been doing television? Is it having good results? Yeah. So television is a little bit newer. It was something that we launched this year, but it's a great piece to a company with radio. It's a force multiplier. So our right. mindset is this. We want you to be driving in the car. We want you to hear our ad. We want you to be sitting in front of the TV. And then when you go online, we want you to see us there as well. And so I really believe that those three things together are a strong force multiplier. Um, but to give you an idea on any type of marketing that you're doing, you should be looking at least for about a one to three return. So if you spend 10 grand, you should be making 30. You should definitely try to be pushing toward one to four. And if you're doing any type of volume marketing, it's a good place to be. If you're spending $1,000 a month on something, yeah, you're going to get a one to eight, one to 12 return. But as you start to go volume, one to three, one to four is, is where you want to park your money. You know what, Chris, that's such a good point because you can make a one to eight, one to 10 return on a small campaign of letters that you get, you get a, you know, you get a lead that's you are. Deal. and it made, yeah. And I was just thinking that I love that you, that, that it's broken down that way because once you start going bigger scale, there's so many advantages. One, it's less management of all the little campaigns that you're doing, bandit science and direct mail and hundreds of lists and the skip tracing and texting and RVM and, and all the things that all the people are doing these days to get in touch with sellers. Um, so when you go, you have to know that your cost, you know, cost is going to go down as you have cast a wider net. However, you should still be looking for a one to three to one to return. And I totally agree with you on that. 100%. I love that. Absolutely. And I think, too, if you're going to consider doing any type of marketing piece, look for something that can really be scaled. So the first thing I ask myself is, am I going to hit a ceiling when I do this marketing piece, or could I spend $100,000 a month on it? And if you look at things like radio, television, and online, there's companies that spend millions of dollars a month. Right. And so right. you know, if I look at some of the other ancillary things that people are doing, I go, at some point, you're going to max out on what you can spend. And so that's just going to require you to get more and more things. I'd rather go deep with two or three things and know I can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on this and never even scratch the surface on how much I could do. And that, in my opinion, right. is a great piece of marketing and the fact that it's low maintenance and automated. Uh, it does not yeah. take a lot to run t TV and radio. So, <laughs> you know, you're talking about that. But yeah. That's not the pain, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. as you know, I'm on the radio in St. Louis now too. So actually, you know, I want to thank you for helping me with that as well, but I'm seeing good results with it too. And as I scale my business, I would love to stop doing direct mail altogether and just do wider types of marketing. However, a lot of our listeners that, you know, are listening, they may not have three, four, five, 
10 years of experience and the finances to, to start, you know, spending a lot of money on their marketing. And that's okay, guys. There's still lots of other ways that you can get into wholesaling, um, doing bandit sign campaigns or smaller campaigns with online, uh, pay-per-click. You know what is kind of crazy right now, Chris? I don't know if you've noticed this, but me currently in my market in St. Louis, I'm getting as much action right now on Yahoo and Bing with my pay-per-click campaigns as I am on Google, which you know may, may or may not shock you, but usually Google has 80% of the market share of, of the traffic. However, I'm getting 50% of my clicks on mm -hmm. these other two. So, you know, there's also lots of other ways to go about it. And if you're new and you want to do direct mail, there's nothing wrong with it. We still I agree. do direct mail in our business. We still do it. You know, I agree. And it depends on your market too, David, you know, in DFW, you're going to have a tough time, but you know, if you're out there and you're in a, what I would call small to mid-sized market, I really believe that direct mail is a strong piece, but what's coming down to whether it works or not is now geographical and the major cities are getting saturated. And so for me in DFW, direct mail is really not an option. You know, we have another buddy in our mastermind that's up in Indiana. And, you know, we know that he's getting about a one to six return right now on his direct mail. But again, he's one of the couple people in that city doing deals. And so he's just yeah, exactly. so what you have to look exactly. at is geography and making your direct mail decision. I love it. Let's circle back. So you were saying that you have like a multipliers um, mindset on the radio and television as well, too, because people are seeing it. They're hearing it. Um, one of my buddies here in St. Louis, uh, he's a personal injury attorney. He spent about probably half a million a year on marketing. He's got television, he's got radio. One thing that they just, and they also have billboards as well, but one thing they just implemented recently, which I think is a really good idea, is they're doing buses and metros. I don't know if DFW has that or not, that type of advertising, but essentially it's a billboard size advertisement inside of a bus. He's got like 60 of them and they're just driving all over town. And I cannot I go- Totally support that. Totally I can't support. go from here to the supermarket without seeing three of them. They're everywhere. And it's a billboard on wheels. It, it's actually kind of interesting because I was looking into maybe doing some of that uh, as well. It's on our radar as well. It, again, it plays right into the force multiplier. And here's how you know it works. If you force watch multiplier, that's what the word was. Dave, Dave Ramsey, right? Yep. When Dave Ramsey comes into a new market, we know that his main media stream is going to be radio. But if you notice, what does he always come into a new market and a company without with billboards? So I really do believe that billboards. Yeah, you're hearing it, you're driving, you're seeing it, and you see it. From multiple it is. Angles. It, it all goes touching the seller with direct mail several times. Same concept, guys. It's sales and marketing. Love it. Agreed. Love it. Okay, Chris. I don't want to uh, let let the episode go an hour because nobody likes listening to long episodes, including me. So let's jump right into the fact that you live in Mexico. Let's we're gonna call you know we're gonna call the kettle black here. You live in Mexico and you have a business in the States, in Dallas. So you are virtual. So you're not even virtual wholesaling. You have a wholesale business set up and you just said, I'm going to be virtual. I love it. So tell us how, how you were able to do that. Because I'm sure that that's not something that can be accomplished in three to six months. This had to be something that you had a plan or you had a goal. You put together a plan and then you got it done. So let's hear a little bit about how that even started. When was it even a dream of yours to, you know, that you had written down to say this is what's going to happen? Tell me a little bit about how that even came to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. So living in the Caribbean, I had written down that years and years. I mean, I could literally go back to the notebook and pull that up with, you know, part of my dream list, right? So it's funny Love to it. go back. Vision and, board? I can remember, the vision I can remember board? when I wrote it down. Yeah, oh, it's shit. in a notebook, actually. I have it in a notebook. 
but you gotta realize I started brick and mortar, right? And I've been in the game now for shoot wholesaling eight years and real estate 14 years. And so when I started with brick and mortar, there was no type of virtual aspect to my organization. So the first layer for me was to begin to hire virtual staff and to realize that I could trust people to be a part of my company and not show up to an office every day. And it's difficult to conceive at first because particularly as a visionary and an owner, sometimes you deal with letting go of control. And so as I began to open that world up and hire the first VA, the second VA, over time, I began to realize I love the virtual world better than the in-office world. And the <laughs> yeah, I know. In Isn't that world is better. Too. I love it it's too. True. I'm and in again, my office right now, which is, I like to record here. But yeah, as soon as this is over, man, I'm, I'm going back outside. I, I don't necessarily need to be locked in an office setting. You know? <laughs> I want to jump out the window right now. Right. Come on. Get me so, out of here. When you realize that your talent pool can be the entire U.S. or if you decide to hire internationally, you start the to break out world. of that mindset. Why do I want the talent of my company to be limited to the fact that you can commute to the office? So what happened was we slowly started to shift the balance to where we had more virtual staff than we had in office. And honestly, what it got to a place was it was me, my business partner. We had one assistant at that point that was still local. And we had a couple of salespeople that were local. And we would yeah. show up to this nice office every day. And I'd be looking around and be like, nobody else is here. You know, we have really shifted so far to the virtual world that our staff is now scattered all over the U.S. It's basically so how mine is. We meet once a week. We meet once a week, you know, which is helpful. But, I mean, we could essentially hop on a call just like this once a week and get the same thing accomplished. And when we do meet, it's usually for one hour. So, yeah, like our office. And it's great that we have a closing coordinator. We like to meet here several times a week. It's very central in my city. But we pay like 1600 a month in rent. Plus another maybe three to four hundred for like water, coffee, tea, internet, paper. Boom. You know, you're looking at twenty three, twenty four hundred a month. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, so you man, eliminate that right there. That's huge. That's you eliminate crazy. it. We looked around and said, why do we need this office? Why do we need all the costs that go with it? And I said, why am I still sitting here in Dallas when, you know, the majority of my staff aren't even here? And so for me to go virtual to Mexico, I think my virtual staff looked at me and go, finally. Why were you sitting around in Dallas? None of us are there. We're virtual. So for me, and to answer your question, it's just a progression. You got to really begin to understand the value of the virtual world, begin to trust that world, understand that that world, in my opinion, is more valuable than an office, and start to you know, make that transition as I did. And then before you know it, I look up, and you look at me and go, well, man, how did you end up living in Mexico? And I'd say it's a process. It was a process to get here. But definitely glad I've got freedom of location. Right. Okay. Two questions for you. How long have you been completely virtual from the city in which you're doing the, the deals? Two years. Two years. Woo! Good for you, yeah, Chris. That's awesome, bro. Wow. Two years. I'm in the office right now. I need to be two years on the <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so then how do you how does the management work and or change when you are managing your acquisition people in a city that you're not in? So obviously everything is virtual, but you still have boots on the ground. So that I feel like there has to be a special relationship with those people because essentially they're, 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 the eye, they're the eyes and ears, but also the face of the company when they're on the appointment, yeah. they're meeting the public and they're meeting the sellers and they're, they're meeting even buyers at the title company. So I feel like that would be a big challenge for me. Uh, I'm not into micromanaging, but I like to know what's going on. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm assuming that you do know what's going on. 
but how does the relationship work with them? And is that a is that a challenge to manage those people? You know what? Eight nine. It's not because if you want to elevate yourself, you should elevate yourself from management. So my responsibility as the owner of the company is to lead, not manage. That's not my job. I love that. People become not managed. It's perfect. People become very confused by your role when you're. Uh, you know, doing a rah-rah speech, let's go conquer the world, and then you're coming back around and saying, hey, you didn't make your calls today. What, what, what are you going to be to me? Are you going to lead me or are you going to manage me? So there's two critical roles I have that really solve all of this. Again, going back to the fact that we have a fractional chief sales officer that literally is doing, and his number one responsibility is to manage the team along with the sales advocate. And then secondly, it goes back to the visionary integrator role. You have to have an exceptional COO, call him a number two integrator, whatever you want. So when you have a great integrator and you've got a great uh, staff that's managing your sales team like we do with our fractional chief sales officer and sales advocate, they do all the management. And so we don't have issues. And I'll also say this, when you get the right people on your team, the challenges of management should over time begin to disappear. If you have a team or even one salesperson or admin and you're constantly managing them, I would argue that you don't have the right people. Great people don't need to be managed. They're self-motivated, they're self-driven, and they're working as hard for themselves to get what they want to accomplish, not because you're cracking a whip to get them to do it. And so what's taken I love globe as your and as your pool. So you can you can you can find the right person easily too. Yeah, not necessarily absolutely. easily, but you have a large pool to choose from as well. Even our, not all of our acquisition managers are local. I have uh, one of my acquisition managers is virtual. She doesn't live in Dallas and she's still executing contracts from the state she's in. So, you so don't have to be that. in the same city. Yeah, I, I love that. So you do have people that are there that do go do walkthroughs of these homes, correct? We have, here's the key piece. We have an uh, in-house inspector. And the inspector okay. is the boots on the ground that takes the pictures, can run over a contract, can you know write out a report on repairs. So when you have that one main person like that being the inspector, that's what allows you to be truly virtual because all the stuff running around can be handled for the most part by one person. So she doesn't need to be there to close those deals. We have an inspector that can go out and look at the property, take a contract out and just get signatures on it if they don't want to do e Right. So you have your acquisition team then, your acquisition managers, their job is essentially essentially to just qualify. Is this a deal? Is this person willing to sell for you? One job. Close. When I hire them, I say, I don't want you to do anything but put signatures on contracts. They don't run comps. They don't go out and look at properties. They don't do rehab stuff. We try to remove as much of that off their plate as possible. And I tell them, all you have to do is get signatures on contracts. And when you okay, so, so let, let me interrupt for a sec. Let me interrupt. I got I got I got to clarify this in my head, and I'm sure everyone listening and watching thinking the same thing. So, how does the hierarchy go from the when the call comes in? Who does that hit? Does that hit a virtual assistant that then starts getting information? Yeah, absolutely. So, very simple. Call comes in off of any type of advertisement. It goes to what we have as inbound prospecting assistants. So they answer that call and their job is to pre-qualify and get rid of the crap. And then once those leads have been pre-qualified, then they are escalated up to the acquisition manager. So we want the acquisition managers only to be talking to what we would consider warm and hot leads. We do not want them wasting their time talking to those people. 
we have two of those people or two of those people. And so you have two people that are doing probably the first step too then. So we have two people that are pre-qualifying and four acquisition managers that are contracting. So two and four. Two and four. Oh, you got four on that level. Okay, cool, cool. So then once four the acquisition manager contracts, then you would send out that inspection guy or no? Uh, no, they're actually sending the inspector before they contract. Oh, the inspector's in the middle there then. So the acquisition manager's job is to get the price right, but essentially it all leads to the end game, which is get a, get a signature. So get that yeah. right, make sure that there's a deal there, work the seller, um, and then send the guy out in the event that they're there. Who's actually signing papers with, with the seller, the inspector or the acquisition manager? I guess in today's both. world, it can be done all digital. And it's probably both. both. Digital can be the inspector, can be the acquisition manager. It rotates around on what's going to get the deal signed. Got it. Love that. Love that. Chris, this has been an awesome episode. You inspire me, and I want to thank you for coming on. You have not only you know done a virtual business, but you have removed yourself from the city. I love it. A lot of your employees are virtual. So whenever you say one in, one inspector, is that truly one person that handles a two hour radius, or is it one company that has multiple people that you just pay one us for the inspector? Yeah, they don't we, we have deal, right one. We have one now. We do have <laughs> a back one guy. We have one guy now. We do have a backup, which is one of my. It's funny. It's one of my assistant's brothers. And so if our guy gets too bogged down, again, you got to realize he's running all day long. I mean, oh, he's, yeah, he's probably on the car. Miles he's driving around the car one place to the next. But if he gets Are you guys down, paying him per, de per deal or does he get a cut? He's on a salary. Oh, that's awesome. So he just, just, he's just a take pictures. He's, he's an in-house inspector and AKA runner. So he's also just doing all the running. Because you got to remember, my staff is all over the country. So when my admin need a lockbox put out on a property particularly, or this happened over the house, the fence fell down. I mean, you got to have someone just running to all these deals. And so his job is to run. He's a runner and wow. he can inspect properties and look at repairs. Right. All in one. Man, I love that idea. I love the idea that, that you have such a hierarchy though within the company that if you can put someone on salary that just runs around, I never even thought of that until now. If I could put somebody on salary and you know give them a good wage, but all they had to do was run around and take pictures, but all the numbers that that they were essentially negotiating was from somebody above them. It wasn't even their decision to have to make those. So it wouldn't be weird or awkward for them. They're just like, here's what the boss told me to offer. You know? Exactly. And that's yeah. great because then you're not having to clip them in on 20, 15, 12, whatever percent you're paying your acquisition managers. because um, you know, it's not just another level that you don't have to necessarily pay out on. However, there is a cost there. As a salary, you're going to have to pay them every single day. But, you know, if you do enough volume, like you were saying earlier, though, the costs are going to outweigh. It becomes a no-brainer. It becomes a no-brainer. I love it. It becomes a no-brainer. Well, Chris, thanks again, man. I appreciate you coming on. Um, I'm sure there's tons of little gold nuggets in here. I don't usually have a name for the podcast until the end because I usually find a good quote. So we're going to go with <laughs> Leaf with Chris Arnold. I like it. All right. 100%. Chris, thanks for coming on, buddy. Sign it off, guys. Enjoyed Don't it. forget to check out our brand new book, The Ultimate Guide to Wholesaling Real Estate. If you're new to real estate investing and want to learn how to wholesale, we have a free course for you, freewholesalecourse.com. Check it out. We are here to help. Sign it off. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, 
please visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.